Welcome to Global Answers. Please join us as we discuss the relevance of God's eternal word relating to events in this day and what it means to you. And now, your hosts, Jeff and Lonnie Jenkins. Hello, I'm Lonnie. And I'm Jeff. Uh, welcome. Got a letter here that I'd like to read to you really uh, briefly, and then Brother Lonnie's got um, some questions from overseas. And this is from Zambia, and it says, uh, Dearly beloved servant, Brother Jeff Jenkins, we have watched the video sermons and have been sending uh, Brother Zingongo these blessings also to his family and to his church. Uh, we've been enjoying especially watching the full service, the entire service, seeing the saints, seeing them worship the saints, the beautiful long hair on the women. And uh, also, it goes on to say, how is Brother Lonnie doing? In his missionary ministry, doesn't he have any plans to visit Zambia? Let him not fear our poor economy. We are rich spiritually and supernaturally. Please greet him for me. Yeah. Amen. I, I worked many years in Malawi right next door to Zambia, but I have no plans to go back there. But he mentions the videotapes. We have those available. Should you be interested, you'll find an address and a website at the end of this broadcast. The other letter that uh, you referred to, Jeff, came from Brother Anton Leohovich of Trukai, Lithuania. I understand that according to the scripture, there are certain things to be revealed at the end time. Do you believe this is that time, and what will your TV broadcast feature that other ministries have not yet covered? Rolani, you being the teacher, I had a person tell me this the other day. They said that the teacher is the head and the pastor is the heart. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> and I thought it'd be nice uh, for the people to hear Brother Anton's question, uh, hear the answer to that question from a teacher's perspective. So if you would elaborate, I'd appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I uh, answered uh, Anton uh, already. And of course, we want to do everything from a, on a scriptural basis. And so we'd like to take you, our listening, viewing audience with us on a little bit quick tour through the, to the Bible in the answer to that question. Our primary thrust is to bring people up to speed on what God is doing today. The nature of people is to rejoice in what the great God did in the past and maybe argue over the prophecies of the future and completely miss what God is doing today. And he has done a tremendous amount today. And in this uh, fulfillment of scripture, mm -hmm. a whole new Bible has opened up. Uh, same old for us, King James Bible, but a whole new Bible is opened because God said certain things were sealed till the time of the end. And this most certainly is the time of the end. So I'd like to go through those scriptures with you and show you what's promised and what God is doing to fulfill those scriptures. So I'd like to start first in Daniel chapter 12. You'll remember, mm -hmm. uh, Jeff, very well that in the book of Daniel that we find the prophecies of the political world powers from the time of King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon all the way to the end. And Daniel has been shown these things in symbol form with uh, a great image that was gold and silver and brass and iron and iron and clay. And then it's shown again as a lion, a bear, a leopard, and a fourth beast that's un, uh, not identified in scripture, just different from all, the other, from all the other beasts. 
And we find this fourth kingdom is continually a mystery kingdom. And in Daniel chapter 7 and chapter 8, it tells you who the first three kingdoms are prophetically and spells it out. But that fourth kingdom is continually a mystery kingdom. But here's, here's the mystery part. Everyone knows the four kingdoms. But God said in the scripture that these are the only four world powers from the time of King Nebuchadnezzar all the way to the end. And it appears to us in our natural mind that this fourth power uh, is no more. But God said there's only four. So Daniel had the same problem. So in Daniel chapter 12, the very last chapter of Daniel, when uh, he comes to the end of all these visions and all these things he's seen, which also includes a time allocation for the children of Israel called the 70 weeks of Daniel. But then Daniel comes to the end and he speaks to the angel that's talking to him. And he says in chapter 12, verse 4, But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, knowledge shall be increased. Uh, Jeff, I'm one of those that fulfills the scripture of many running to and fro. Yes, you, all over We the can world. just fly, fly <laughs> all over the world. And so he's still pondering about this question of what, what have you shown me and what does it mean? And then the scripture goes on to say, in verse 6, How long shall it be to the end of these wonders? And I'll skip over now. And it says, It shall be for a time, times, and a half. Time, that's one. Times, that's plural, that's two and a half. Two plus one plus a half. So it's that three and a half year tribulation period when all this is going to be fulfilled. Verse 8, And I heard... But I understood not. Then I said, O my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he says, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. So there's our first one now. Remember, we talked about things to happen at the time of the end. So here we are now with the world political powers. Who's going to be the primary powers around the world? Mystery sealed until the time of the end. We'll get into those later. And then there's another mystery that you can see. I have my Bible marked here in 1 Peter chapter 1. And Peter starts out, he says, Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. And then he goes on telling us what's coming for this elect. He says, To an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith, unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last times. So we're still in time here when it says there's going to be something revealed about salvation in the last times. So there's a mystery around salvation that will not be understood. The, the theological seminaries and the churches of former ages could probe at these things, but God said that it's not going to be opened until the time of the end. And so there's another mystery, the mystery surrounding salvation. In one place, uh, in the last book of the Bible, it says, whosoever will, let him come. So it mm -hmm. sounds that this broad spectrum of salvation is just open to just anyone. And then in John chapter 6, it says, no man can come to me except the Father draw him. Mm. Well, what is this? Yes. What is this? In one place, it looks like a wide open door. And then in another place, it looks like, but only those whom God, 
mystery to be revealed at the time of the end. But you wish we'd go into that, don't you? <laughs> we will later. And then there's another over in the book of Revelation in chapter 10. Starts out in verse 1, I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven clothed with a cloud. And the description goes on to be very similar to the description in Revelation chapter 1, which is Christ. So here comes down the mighty angel Christ, not in the form of Jesus of Nazareth, but maybe in the form like he was when he led the children of Israel as a pillar of fire by night, cloud by day. But here he is now coming down near this end time sequence here. And then there were seven thunders, verse 3, seven thunders uttered their voices, verse 4. And when the seven thunders had uttered their voices, I was about to write, and I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered, and write them not. In chapter 1, John was told, Everything you see, everything you hear, write it down and send it to the seven churches of Asia. Notice that, of Asia, Gentile churches because we're in a Gentile dispensation now. And so, the, so he was told to write and, and send those things. Seven thunders sound their voice. We find in John chapter uh, 6, I think it is, that the uh, thunder represents a voice of God. So God has spoken seven times. But what do these things mean? What do they mean? And doesn't tell us. So we got a mystery of world political power. We got a mystery around salvation. We've got a mystery here of seven thunders that have uttered. God has spoken seven times. What did he say? How did he do it? What happened? None of these things are there. And nowhere in Scripture, until we get to the book of Revelation, do we have any concept, Jeff, of how these mysteries are going to be unveiled. But the Bible says in verse 7, But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished as he has declared to his servants, the prophets. So in this final sounding, in a final age, is a voice of a seventh angel. Mm -hmm. And through that voice is going to come the revealing of the mysteries of God, the very things that we've, that we've been talking about all along here. So Lonnie, are you saying that the, the Bible isn't a, a historical book, that things have, they're all finished, it's all fulfilled, that there are actually things in the last days that have to be fulfilled in our day. Absolutely. And then the people have to walk in that fulfillment. Correct. Hmm. Yeah, if you remember in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, it says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. We have fellowship one with another. So the revealing of God's word is light when you see it. Now in the Old Testament, it says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. So the word itself was the light. Mm -hmm. But starting in the Gospel of John, we see that Jesus was the word made flesh, and he was the light of the world. But when he had finished his portion of scripture, mm -hmm. then he tells the church, now you are the light of the world. And so that's how Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, because he's the living word in every age in whatever form he should take. And I remember you went into a sermon on that. Yes, I did. Uh, tell the congregation, tell yeah. our viewing audience about, about that. Well, I was talking about the word made flesh. Uh, it's easy to receive the word, we'll say, the Bible. Many people say, I believe the Bible, but 
The question really is, is can we receive the Bible when it's made flesh? That's the question. Uh, a virgin shall conceive. Uh, and they could have, Isaiah prophesied that. He might have even put his hand over his mouth and said, what did I just say? A virgin shall conceive? But yet, they could have argued about that in, in Isaiah's day. Isaiah could have even <clears throat> pondered it. What does this mean? But one day through time, 800 years later, that scripture was fulfilled in the womb of a little woman, Mary. And she conceived and brought forth the Christ child. So now that word of Isaiah was made flesh in our day, in Jesus' day. To receive the flesh of the word, Jesus, was to receive life. To reject the flesh of the word was to reject life. Jesus was the fulfillment of that scripture. They came to John uh, the Baptist and they asked John, tell us plainly, the Pharisees did, who are you? And they wanted to know, John, do you declare to come out of the Bible? And John said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah. So John was saying, I come right out of the pages of Scripture. May I interject yes. here that Scripture, Jesus says, John was a great and shining light. Light. Yeah, because he was the Word made flesh, the Word lived out. I had to interject because our subject was light, so In go fact, ahead. he even said that, and you were willing for a season to walk in that light. Yeah. So then the light went from John to Jesus. Right. Now, John was at one time the light of the hour. To receive John was to receive life. To reject John would mean ultimately, if you rejected John's message, he was the forerunner, you would have rejected Jesus. And so then Jesus comes on the scene. And when Jesus comes on the scene, then my, what a mighty stir. Thousands followed him. The streets were filled. Hosanna, Hosanna. We know the story, the sad and grim, but very true and very meaningful and very real and very necessary story, Christ's death. They crucified him. After his death, his burial, his resurrection, then Christ came back no longer in the form necessarily of the corporal body of Jesus, but now he came back in the form of the Holy Ghost. Now Jesus, the Word, made flesh, was Jesus. Now that Word made, was made flesh in a mini-membered body. So now there was 120 in an upper room and they're all filled with the Holy Spirit and they come bursting out of the upper room. They preach their first message. Peter tells them men and brethren and he preaches his inaugural message. 3,000 were added to the church. My, what a stir in Jerusalem. What a stir in Jerusalem. The things that were taking place were incredible because what we find is, is that now Jesus was off the scene. John was beheaded. Have you ever wondered, perhaps, why, why John the Baptist was beheaded? Well, you say because he was a controversial figure. But God took John off the scene so that Jesus would be the preeminent one. So now Jesus is the preeminent one. He's taken off the scene so the church can be the preeminent one. True now church. the Word is made flesh. Yeah, the true church is now the Word made flesh. And so much so that Paul, formerly Saul, was breathing out threats against the true church of God, filled with the Holy Spirit. And Saul had papers to have them put in prison. And we find out that Saul was on his road to Damascus. And while he was on his road to Damascus, he met a great light. Now, this great light that Saul met, he recognized that light, being an Old Testament, being a, a, a scholar of the Bible. He looked at that light and said, Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, Lord, who are you? 
And the light spoke back and said, I am Jesus, whom you persecute. Well, ask yourself this question. Did Saul or Paul ever persecute the man Jesus Christ? Was he there when Christ was crucified? He was never there. Paul was persecuting the church of the living God, and Jesus said, I'm in that church. you persecuting me. So the word was moving on. Or we could say the light from John to, uh, to Jesus to the disciples. And who had the keys? Peter had the keys to the kingdom. But what's interesting is this God saves the apostle Paul. Having met that great light, he goes to the street called Straight and meets a man, lays hands on Paul. Paul receives the Holy Ghost. Then Paul begins to write the majority of the New Testament. Now the word was made flesh in who? In Paul. And Paul said, if an angel or myself, Paul said, even myself or an angel preach any other gospel than what I have preached, let him be accursed. Now Peter had to do what? Peter, who had the keys, had to acknowledge that Paul had truth. Mm -hmm. Now the word was moving on. And dispensationally, wouldn't you say, Lonnie, that the word continues to move on? It didn't just stop in Bible days, did it? No, absolutely not. The principle here, when we talked about the voice of the seventh angel, we find in Revelation chapter 1 that the angel to each church is com uh, considered to be a star, which, of course, is a light. Mm. But it's a light that shines in darkness. Mm -hmm. And the whole of our church ages, because Jesus, the light of the world, compared to this natural sun, was gone. And so now we're in a night cycle where the church typed as the moon and the uh, seed of Abraham typed as stars. Mm -hmm. And now seven of those stars held in the right hand of Jesus and called angels. And of course, angel merely means messenger. Mm -hmm. So these messengers, these men, not fellows with wings on their back, these messengers, these men, God had a man through which he was working to bring light to each age. And of course, he was the star, the light bearer to that, to that uh, church age because the, each age was, we'll call it dispensations, that's a nasty word among the theologians, but dispensationally, God was working under a certain light and a certain anointing mm -hmm. in each age. Mm -hmm. And in Revelation chapter 4, verse 5, chapter 5, verse 6, and several other places, it mentions the seven spirits of God. And that's, of course, there's not seven gods, but the seven spirits of God were the, were the measure of anointing on each of those seven church age messengers. And of course, it's always Christ, mm -hmm. but Christ is light. Hmm. Natural and spiritual, you know very well, type, type each other mm -hmm. exactly. So if we pass light, a beam of light, through a three-sided prism, it breaks into a seven-color spectrum that we call the rainbow. Mm -hmm. And so Christ the light passed himself through the three-sided prism, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, mm -hmm. that representation through which God chose to manifest himself. And then this, the uh, rainbow colors are all a part of the main light, but no one of them is all the light. Hmm. And that's the way the messengers were to each age. They were anointed with their measure of Christ for the age. But in the seventh age, the final age, when this seventh angel begins to sound his message and all the mystery will be revealed, then that's going to bring together all the truths of all the ages 
And so now we're going to take the seven colors of the rainbow and squeeze them back into one again. What have we got? Fullness of light. Hmm. What does that mean to us? Luke 17.30 is about to be fulfilled, which is the same Son of Man life, Son of Man ministry that was revealed through Jesus Christ is going to be unveiled again in the last days. So this full life of Christ, mm -hmm. but not in the body with the nail-scarred hands, because he was called the last Adam. But what God is lacking now is the last Eve. Mm. So we have, to, we have to restore Adam. We, we did, God did that in Christ. Now we have to restore it in Eve. And of course, that's the church, which is called the Bride of Christ. I'm always speaking of the true church now, not any denomination, but the true church, those who by one spirit have been baptized into the one body. That's the, that's the Bride of Christ. And then they now, th this is their season. This is their age. They become the illuminaries of this last age. Mm -hmm. Stepping in that light, then they have fellowship with God. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses them from all sin, and it places them in a position to become light bearers themselves as Christ manifests his life through them. What a wonderful story. That's, oh but only by the blood of Christ through, through the Jesus of Nazareth, that blood, could a person be made uh, sin-free right. by the blood, right. not by the, their own perfect life, but right. sin-free through the blood to let that Holy Ghost Spirit work through them and declare Christ as he wants to be manifested in his age. Because there's this little different declaration of Christ mm -hmm. in every age. We'll get into that in one of our other uh, broadcasts, but it's a little bit too lengthy to get into in our half-hour broadcast this time. But we'll show you then how Christ manifested in each age. And the very the scripture tells us even the very nature that he took for that age to be an anointing on the church to accomplish God's purposes in that age, in withstanding the Antichrist spirit, which is always prevalent in every age. And we also can show you in Scripture the nature of the Antichrist spirit and how, what his power is in each age and how it will manifest. And the really interesting part is, is that in this last age, we find everything comes to a fullness. We find that we're gathering, Satan is gathering all his forces. God is gathering all his forces. The political powers of the world are going to gather their forces. Mm. All these powers are going to be gathered for one final harvest manifestation in a, in a full measure, unlike we've seen in any other age. So uh, back to Anton's question again, what are we trying to show? We're trying to show the people what God is doing today mm. so that they also can yes. step into that light and find this fellowship with God that the scripture promises, this cleansing by the blood that is not fully available in the light of another age, the glow of the previous age. In Acts chapter 19, uh, we find that there's a man named Apollos, incredibly gifted man, but the Bible says he only knew the baptism of John. So he was baptized unto repentance in John the Baptist's ministry. Eloquent, good speaker, fervent in the spirit, but he wasn't born again. And the reason he wasn't born again, because he was only walking in John's light. And so we find that uh, Paul came along from the upper co co coast of Ephesus. Paul comes along and he asks Apollos and the group of people there, says, unto what were you baptized? And they all said, unto John's baptism. And 
he said, well, John verily baptized into repentance, but there's been more truth revealed. More truth revealed. John had truth. People walked in John's light, but John introduced more truth, which was Christ. And so Paul began to then talk about Christ's ministry, his death, his burial, and his resurrection to the apostle, to Apollos. Apollos and his, the, the 12 that were with him got thrilled. They had, there was more truth being revealed. They received that truth. Now, ask yourself this question. What if Apollos would have said, nope, I'm a good Baptist. I've been baptized by John, and it's as far as I want to go, and I don't believe about this Jesus. Apollos' walk would have stopped right there because God is revealing more light. God was revealing more truth. And so Apollos had to, in a sense, maybe perhaps swallow a little bit of his theological pride, his knowledge of the scriptures, and say, you mean Jesus was the fulfillment of the Messiah in the Old Testament, all the prophecies pertaining to the Messiah? Yes. And you have to be baptized in his name. You mean I have to be rebaptized? Yes. So John, so Paul, Paulos had to be rebaptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of his sins to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So in a sense, it went from John the Baptist, he had light. Then it went to Jesus, he was the light. Then Jesus said to his disciples, now you're the light of the world. And then Paul the apostle then became the authority of the hour and even Peter had to acknowledge Paul the apostle. What if, what if Peter would have said, no, Jesus gave me the keys to the kingdom. I don't have to acknowledge you, Paul. Peter's walk would have stopped, hypothetically speaking, but Peter's walk would have stopped right there with God. Peter's walk would have stopped because God was revealing more truth through the Apostle Paul. And then Paul now revealed that truth to Apollos, and the Bible says that they received his words with gladness. Paul laid hands on them after he had been baptized in water, immersed in water in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and they all received the Holy Spirit. So God's word and the Holy Spirit work hand in hand. To receive his word, to walk in that light of that word, is to then eventually receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's exciting. God is, as Brother Lonnie mentioned, a dispensational God. He reveals more truth and more truth and more truth. And now through the last seven ages, we're living in the seventh age or the final age, God is revealing even more truth to this last day. So God is not a God of history. Viewing audience, I hope you'll stay with us in the broadcast to come because we would like to continually unveil these, quote, mystery truths to you that, have, that were hidden through the ages. And the theologians probed at them and, and tried their best and they did a good job, but there would be no way that they could handle that because of the fact that God said it was sealed to the time of the end. So here we are at the time of the end. What's the purpose of the broadcast, Brother Lonnie, Brother Jeff? The purpose is that we can share with you what God is doing in this very age, the age that you and I live in, through the ministry of Christ, through His many-membered body. God bless you, friends. It's God been bless very you. good to be with you. See you again. Receive a DVD of today's program entitled, What is God Doing Today? Send your request to this address or visit our website at www.globalanswers.us. May our